Ladies and gentlemen. What you gonna do? Brother, 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 brother. Welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It is Saturday, May 15th, uh, and we just finished uh, Impact's latest Impact Plus show, which was Under Siege. Um, It is just me, it is just Ryan on this uh, show, uh, but I watched it with Joey and Pat, um, who did not decide to jump on this podcast because they basically uh, just... Gave me some insight to say, uh, but didn't want to be on the show the full time, which makes sense. It's kind of late. Um, but anyway, before we get jump right on into this, um, be sure to like and subscribe uh, to our social media at uh, Deep Six Wrestling on Facebook or on yeah on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And on Twitter, it's just Deep Six Wrestling without the G at the end. Uh, and also subscribe to the podcast on any of your different po- uh, podcast uh, platforms that you enjoy. Uh, the link is in the description and on all of our uh, social media platforms, uh, as well as our, on our YouTube. We do upload all of our podcasts to there now as well, uh, so you can listen to it on there if you th- enjoyed going on YouTube uh, instead of going to different podcast platforms. Um, so Impact Plus un- Under Siege. Uh, this is honestly the first Impact Plus show I've watched on their actual app. Normally I've just gone through the Fight TV app. Um, but decided to give the Impact app a try. And it if you've ever tried to like stream it through your Apple TV from your phone like mirroring it that was awful uh it just would not connect to that uh then we did connect it and like mid like midway through the first match it was just like nah I don't actually want to be connected anymore um so that luckily there is an impact app for the actual Apple TV so we put all the information on there and it finally worked but the layout is much stranger than the app is or their website um so they just need a better app um to be honest it's the app has a lot of their their platform has so much to offer there's so many matches it's a very diverse video library um for the last like 20 years of impact or slash TNA. So got all that on there, but the layout needs to be like, it just feels like they need to have a concise layout that is the same on the Apple TV, your iPhones or whatever. And on their website, like it just feels weird that they have like three different layouts. Um, and at least the website and the phone app, are very similar, but it, the layout for uh, the Apple TV app 
is not um, like they there isn't a like current show tab. Uh, so like you have to go and search the show, even if it's the show that would be live right now, which was under siege. Uh, instead, it would just pl- immediately start playing uh, like whatever is currently live on Impact Plus, which is just like a random match, like a random show from years ago, um, which is weird. Um, but I digress. Uh, we start off the show with Brian Myers versus Black Tarus of the Decay and Decay, Crazy Steve and Rosemary are out at ringside with them. This has been a weird feud to begin with. Um, with Brian Myers being the slimy, cowardly heel, but Decay, mainly Rosemary, deciding that she wants to put a curse on Brian Myers uh, to try and kill him, which isn't a very face thing to do. And then Brian Myers picks up a cheating win over Crazy Steve on Thursday to lead into this match. The match was good, but uh, as I said, the streaming cut out at different points. I don't know if that was an issue for everybody at the the beginning of the show or what, Um, but it, it just didn't feel like everything clicked between the two guys. I thought when they were clicking... Throughout uh, the match at different points, Black Tarus looked like a, a star like he normally does when he gets these singles matches uh, or just a, a good tag match that he's in. Uh, Black Tarus, I think, is one of the most underrated guys right now in Impact, uh, and I really wish that he got more of a platform to show off. Uh, Brian Myers is really good, but it was just weird to see him getting this win. Um Again, possibly by cheating. Um, commentary was not its best tonight. Um, me and Angelo tried to not talk too badly about um, the commentary this uh, this week on the Power Hour. Um, but Angelo's not here, so he's not going to be able to control me. Um, myself, Pat, and Joey all said that Stryker was real bad tonight at different points. Um, he slurred his words at multiple points, which was weird. He started talking with weird accents, like trying to, um, like do a Boston accent during, uh, one of the tag matches on the show that didn't involve Eddie Edwards. Um, there was points of him just screaming out random things. There was parts of him just whispering things, um, Meanwhile, D'Lo was all over the place as normal, but he did have more enthusiasm throughout the night. Uh, at point, commentary has a very weird thing the last like month since Rebellion where they just feel like they need to yell and scream at random points, even if it's not like a big moment, um, which takes me out of it, um, especially when like you're watching with other people and like, you might talk about something that just happened. It doesn't help when you've got D'Lo and Matt Stryker screaming about something. Um, but commentary points out at the end of this match after Brian Myers hits the roster cut, D'Lo says, can we go back to replay uh, to a few seconds beforehand? 
Uh, it looked like Brian Myers jabbed something into the eyes of Black Tarus. Uh, it might have been his thumb or a finger. And they go to the replay, and it's just the roster cut that's shown. And so Stryker says something like, oh, it looks like just a roster cut there, D'Lo. And D'Lo says, oh, no, no, it was right before that. Can we go to replay again? Uh, it was when he was in the corner. And they just show the roster cut again. And then Stryker says, oh, I saw it there. And there's no way you saw anything there. It was literally just the roster cut that was hit. There's no jabbing of something into the eyes or anything like that. Um, so production still not the greatest on impacts and with weird replays of something that commentary isn't asking for. Um, but overall, a good start to the night. But as me and Angelo have said numerous times, normally impact shows start off really hot with like one of the best matches of the card. Uh, to get the crowd, like the fans, really excited for the rest of the card. Uh, commentary even pointed this out that um, normally you want a hot start to the show. This was not a hot start. It was a good match, but it wasn't a great match, uh, and it definitely didn't match up with what would happen later on in the show. Where I feel like they decided to try to get the the lackluster, or not the lackluster matches, but the less enthusiastic matches out of the way before getting to the stuff that people uh, would enjoy a little bit more. Um, After this, we got Taylor Wilde and Tennille Dashwood versus Kimberly and Susan. This was probably the worst match on this card, Um, and that's not an indictment on any of the four women involved. Um, I've grown tired of the Susan character. Um, I've been tired of the Susan character for quite some time. They've teased at multiple points that Sue Young was going to come back. They had Sue Young come back for a match. And then they didn't do anything with it, and Susan's still here. Um, Kimber and Deanna are visibly annoyed with Susan and trying to distance themselves from Susan, but she keeps on just forcing them to be with her. Um... Kimber really, I felt like, did not get a chance to be, like, the main focus of their team. Uh, This was a very, it it felt like this was more of a squash match for Taylor and Tennille. There were points where Kimber and Susan would kind of take control, but it was very minimal. Um, And Taylor and Tennille pick up the win after Caleb uh, kicks uh, one of the, uh, I think it was Susan, uh, in the face as she was running, uh, or get, got thrown into the ropes. Taylor Wilde clearly saw this. She was looking straight at it, but then sold it like she didn't know what just happened. Um, Tennille and Taylor try to celebrate together. Taylor actually, like, kind of accepts it. Um, unlike in previous encounters where she's tried to distance herself from Tennille, she said she doesn't like her, she doesn't want to be her friend, she doesn't want to be a partner of hers. Um, but I think this is going to end up leading to a tag match with Taylor Wilde and Tennille versus uh, the current champs, which we will go over in just a little bit. Um, Susan and Kimber, I don't know where you go from here. Um, yeah, uh, I... I don't know. Uh, the tag division is very weak. 
uh, and I I don't advocate for breaking up teams in a weak tag division, but I I don't know if there's any more story you can tell with Kimber, Deanna, and Susan all together. Um, after this, we had our four-way tag match uh, for uh, to determine the number one contender for the World Tag Team titles currently held by Finjuice. Uh, the teams were Ace Austin, Madman Fulton, Rohit Raju, and Shira, Petey Williams and TJP, and AC Romero and Larry D, also known as Triple XL. Um, this was a fine match. Um, I think everybody, for the most part, looked pretty good in this match. Kind of upset that Petey Williams didn't get to shine more in this match uh, since he's, he's back, it seems, at least for a few more shows. Um, TJP is still coming out with a broom randomly to which Pat and Joey both suggested that maybe he's like trying to go into business for himself and call out Kenny Omega since he's the cleaner but I I, I don't want to see that match I don't need TJP in a a singles title feud anymore Um, Shira at multiple points throughout this match, I forgot he existed, uh, as he was not very present in this match. He was more on the outside, taking people out. Um, Rohit had some good interactions with PD, TJP, and Ace. Um, Ace Austin, I don't know why I said Austin Ace. Um, sorry about that, but yes. Uh, overall, I think the big star out of this match was Fulton, Fulton, did a lot of the heavy lifting, no pun intended, uh, throughout this match. Uh, he took on Triple XL by himself at multiple points, knocking them down. Um, and just being an overall brute, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think Fulton is very underrated as a wrestler and as a big guy. Uh, and I think that he easily is, um, one of the better big men in wrestling today. Um, at least on the American scene right now. Um, in major promotions. Um, and yeah, I'm totally fine with seeing more Madman Fulton uh, on my screen. I enjoy him uh, for the most part when he wrestles. Uh, Ace Austin and Fulton end up picking up the win um, after Fulton hits like a end of days type move uh, and uh, gets on his knees, allowing Ace Austin to jump off the back of him for a splash for the win. And they are your new number one contenders to Finn Juice's title. Uh, they would announce later on in the show that Finn Juice will be defending those titles on Thursday against Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. So uh, we do have another title match. Uh, in quick succession, the only title that wasn't defended at this show will be defended on Impact Television. So that should be a really good match, I think. Uh, I'm interested to see where it, uh, the title feuds go from here. After this was basically when the show really picked up. Uh, w. Morrissey versus Willie Mac. Uh, this was probably the one match that I had the most questions for going into. Not that I was questioning why this match was happening. Um, but I was questioning whether or not this would be a good match. 
uh, solely because we've had so many, uh, well, not so many, but the last time we've seen uh, Morrissey slash Big Cass uh, in a singles feud or a singles wrestler, they weren't particularly great um, when he was back in WWE. Um, but I think Willie Mack brought up a lot of really good out of him, but also Morrissey just looked in a, in a really good zone, a really good place. Mentally, uh, he's kept on talking about how he's gotten himself in a better place. Even though he's a heel, he's makes sure to tell people that, which is good. Uh, and uh, I thought this was this overachieved by far. Uh, this was really fun. It was very hard hitting, probably the hardest hitting match of the night. Um, and you've got Willie Mack hitting very strong, uh, re- really stiff elbow shots. Uh, Morrissey hitting really hard hitting knee, uh, uh, kicks. Um, we had a really really hard hitting lariat spot um, that audibly made. Matt Stryker uh, yell, God bless Willie Mack, um, which was okay. Um, But Morrissey ends up picking up the win. As expected, it is his first singles, big singles match in Impact. But he doesn't win in normal ways. He ends up winning with the East River's Crossing. But right before he goes for the pin off that, he sits... Willie Mack back up on his knees and kicks him really strong right in the back of the head for the one, two, three. There was also a spot where Willie Mack gets thrown through the rope or kicked through the ropes. Uh, and basically it commentary kept on trying to sell that he landed square on the top of his head, but you could clearly see, well, it looked like Willie Mack got his hand underneath his forehead and it wasn't on the top of his head. Um, but we got a replay of that at least two times uh, with D'Lo saying uh, that uh, Willie Mack is most likely out of it. Uh, they should stop the match. He looks dazed. And again, I, I will continue to say that I, I don't like when commentary or like wrestling tries to be like, oh, this guy's probably got a, head, a major head injury when we've seen like what head injuries do to wrestlers. Uh, and how they can shorten careers. I don't think you should be like, let's run an angle of head injury stuff. Uh, or let's pretend that some, this wrestler is concussed. Um, just not for me. Um, uh, and I'm sure there's some people who will be like, well, it's just them acting. Well, yeah, no shit, they're acting. But when you've got people who are legitimately getting hurt, and legitimately getting their careers cut short over these things. You shouldn't just be like, okay, well, willy-nilly, just throw these these segments into matches uh, and try to sell it as, like, something shocking because it just doesn't work for me. It makes me kind of not enjoy the match as much uh, or the feud as much, um, but they got they did that pretty early on and then kind of forgot about it. Um, overall, I thought this was a really, really strong match, and this started off a string of matches of just really good stuff. After the match, Morrissey beats down 
Willie Mack some more. He goes to leave the ring, but as he does, he goes to the timekeeper's table, grabs a chair, and goes like he's going to hit Willie Mack with the chair. But Rich Swan comes out. Morrissey goes to meet him uh, at the ramp, but he leaves the chair in the ring. Rich uses his speed to get around. Morrissey grabs the chair, and him and Willie Mack stand tall in the ring as Morrissey looks them over before walking out. Um, and I think myself, Joey, and Pat all agree this seems like they are setting up the return of Enzo with, uh, with Morrissey, and it just feels strange that you run a segment with Morrissey, uh, last week or the week before of him talking about how people just always associate him with the little guy with the big mouth. Uh, but that he's more than that, and all of a sudden you're just like, yep, bring in the little guy with the big mouth uh, to be paired up with him again. Uh, it just doesn't help his character, I think. Um, if Enzo is not going to be the focus of this group, if he's just going to be like the mouthpiece for Cass or Morrissey, then I'm totally fine with that. Uh, like, if he's just going to wrestle sporadically with like this feud, totally fine with that. Um, but. Like, if they just make them a tag team again, like, what was it for? Um, what was him talking about, oh, I'm my own man, I don't need this guy, I don't want to be associated with this guy, don't associate with me with this guy. Two weeks later, he's back. Just seems silly. Uh, after this was our first title match of the night, it is... The knockouts tag titles between the champs, Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering, versus the former champs, Fire and Flavor, which are Kara Hogan and Tasha Steeles. And this was probably the first shocking moment of the night, um, which was we have new champs. Uh, Kara and Tasha did exactly what they've been saying the last few weeks they were going to do. They were going to, uh, they were going to focus in on uh, for this match. They were going to get a game plan, and they were going to win their titles back. And their game plan that they've been laying out last two weeks or so has been isolate and take out Rachel Ellering. Uh, they've been saying this over and over whenever they've got gotten mics. They've been talking about how Jordan is a non-factor. They've beaten Jordan so many times in different types of matches, in singles matches, in tag matches with other partners. So if they can focus in on the new person with Jordan, the person that they're not as familiar with, and they can eliminate that person, then they have a better chance at winning. That is exactly what they did. Throughout this match, Tasha and uh, Kara kept on going after Rachel. If she was out of the ring, one of them would go over every so often, knock her off the uh, ropes uh, and the apron, kind of just throw her against the fencing, the barricades, the ring, the ring posts, just trying to make sure that this, uh, that Rachel was not going to be a factor in this match. Uh, early on in the match, Rachel got her licks in. She was controlling the match. But once she tagged, into, uh, tagged in Jordan, uh, basically it became, let's focus in on tiring out Jordan and let's focus in on getting rid of Rachel. Um, Kara was mainly the main 
offender outside the ring, um, beating up on Rachel, hitting a sliced bread on Rachel, um, while Tasha was mainly in control in the ring, which was good to see because, as me and Angela pointed out numerous times on this show, we don't feel like Tasha gets a, enough uh, presence in tag matches when she, uh, they've been uh, happening in the past. Uh, it's mainly being Kara in control of that. Uh, and then Tasha comes in for a little bit and then tags back out to Kara, who does the heavy lifting. This was the opposite. It felt like Tasha was in control for most of this match. Um, and, yeah. Fire and Flavor pick up the win, pinning Jordan Grace. Uh, this was shocking. I didn't expect this to happen. I know me and Angela both came up with different scenarios for what could happen uh, with the tag titles. Um, when we did our predictions last uh, on Thursday uh, with Angela saying that Jordan and uh, Rachel would win and Kimber and Susan would win and that would set up your next like mini feud. I thought possibly you could have Tennille, um and Taylor win against Kimber and Susan and then maybe have a tag match it, in their friendship thing, your partnership ex- implodes. But yeah, maybe you still have Taylor and Tennille get that next tag opportunity and implode uh, after they fail for the titles. Um, That'll be interesting to see. I'm more interested to see what happens with Jordan and Rachel because Rachel's been trying to pump up Jordan. She kept on telling Jordan this week after Jordan had lost to uh, Tasha that she needs to focus her energy, focus her emotions on matches, uh, and then let out all that energy, all those emotions in the ring. Um, and that if she did that, they couldn't lose. Um, but they do. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, if they end up breaking up this team, I don't know why you do it. Because that seems silly. But maybe you do it just because you... Want some new fresh faces to take on Deanna. And by fresh faces, I mean Rachel Ellering. Because Rachel has been really good in ring when she's been in Impact so far. uh, For the few matches that she's been in. Um, And I don't know. I guess we will see down the line. I I think that you keep Jordan and Rachel around for a bit more as a team. I don't know if it's a long-term team, but... They have really good chemistry together. They're really fun on promos. Uh, so, yeah. After this, we have Josh Alexander versus El Fantasmo for the X Division title, which I personally thought was going to be the best match of the night. And I think it was. Um, this was just a really, really, really fun match. Everything about it was perfect. Uh, you, if you like really fun, flippy matches, uh, El Phantasma matches are always great to watch, but that wasn't what this match was really about. It was mainly just a clash of styles. You have the 
Flippy Jr. from uh, from New Japan versus the walking weapon, the technical powerhouse of Josh Alexander, uh, and basically seeing Ken El Fantasmo when he's up to his darndest tricks, be able to outsmart and really outmaneuver uh, Josh, and vice versa. Can Josh be able to beat up and kind of limit the amount of damage that El Fantasmo is going to throw at him? There were some really good spots in this match. Uh, Josh kept on trying to ground and keep grounded. Fantasmo kept on going for leg locks or ankle locks. Uh, different types of submissions, big power slams, uh, while Fantasmo, uh, whenever he was in control, wanted to do the flips, wanted to do the super kip- kicks, wanted to walk the ropes, wanted to taunt. Uh, when he went for roll-ups, he'd go for uh, kind of slimy pins with uh, him grabbing at the tights or trying to extend his legs under the ropes, different things like that. Um there were some really good spots with, uh, you had uh, Josh go up to try to intercept a frog splash um, and throw Phantasma uh, basically the entire length of the ring um, for uh, a nice uh, superplex, or uh, I believe one of the commentators said a super slam. Um, this was just a really, really fun match. Um, there was no spot like in the six man this week where, uh, Phantasma walked the ropes and then hit Ace Austin for a Death Valley driver off the top rope in, uh, into a crowd of people. Um, but there's some other really fun spots. Um, you had Josh kicking out of the frog splash. You had him countering the, uh, CCT, uh, or the CR2. Uh, and you had him uh, basically just dominate the ending of this match, uh, just m- making Phantasmo scream out in pain and tap to the ankle lock. Um, I was shocked that we had Phantasmo lose via tapping. I thought we were going to have, if Phantasmo didn't walk away with the title, he was going to cheat to, or he was going to get DQ'd or something to continue this. I don't know what you do with Phantasmo now. I assume you just keep keep him here for a bit. I It would be weird if he was just here for three shows and leaves. Um, but who knows? Um, I know that uh, at least a few different wrestlers in Impact Today posted that they are in day two of a four-day taping schedule um, this weekend. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if anything comes out about who else is around. For these shows, um, if there's any new surprises or not, um, because, and I, I probably should have said this at the beginning, um, but Tommy Dreamer went on Busted Open uh, either yesterday or today uh, and said that uh, he can confirm that there are multiple New Japan wrestlers who will be coming to Impact in the next coming uh, weeks. Uh, for episodes, which is great to hear. I'll be interested to see who they are. Um, 
and yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what happens next in Impact. If that's the case, it makes things a lot more interesting and will probably get more eyes on the product. Um, so yeah, it's a great time to be an Impact fan. I thought this was a really, really strong title match. Um, and I, I feel like the X Division is again really exciting again. Um, I feel like this is a really good rebound from just TJP being in the title picture for about a year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. After this, we, uh, I believe, is when we make our, our trip to Swinger's Palace, where swing uh, they have bankrupted another person. It is in one of the security guards for Impact. Uh, and in... <laughs> He wants to stay, so he offers up his, uh, I think, either a 58 Pontiac or a 68 Pontiac, uh, to which Giant Swinger says, give him $58 for for the keys, uh, <laughs> to which he looks like he's about to lose it again before A.C. Romero and Larry D. show up. And basically, they want to get in on the action. Swinger takes a shot at them for losing and saying that they never really fulfill their uh, their opportunities uh, and that they're always destined to lose. Uh, to which Swinger, uh, to which Larry D and uh, AC Romero say uh, that the only reason that you Swinger ever won a tag title because Simon Diamond carried his ass to which Swinger bans them from Swinger's Palace for life uh, to which Larry D and AC Romero claimed that they're being discriminated against uh, and that there's no reason for people in Swinger's Palace to dislike them to which Alicia Edwards points out that Larry D literally shot Johnny Bravo a few months ago um and then Senor, or as Mr. Swinger always refers to him, Senior Hernandaddy uh, throws the guys out. Uh, but Triple XL say that they will be back and that you haven't heard the last from them. So it'll be interesting to hear what goes on next with these guys. Um, I think it would be great to see like a battle in casino thing, but I doubt we get that. I'm sure we'll end up just having a tag match between Hernandez and Swinger versus Triple XL. Um, after this, we get our next t- title match, which is Deanna Prazo versus Havoc. And this was probably the weakest of the last few matches. Um, but it was still a really good match, a really strong match. Uh, it was a very, again, another really in- interesting um, clash of styles. You had Havoc's strong power um, and big, just much bigger uh, individual versus the smaller uh, Diana, who's much more technical uh, and trying to make sure that she can kind of dodge uh, the punches, dodge. Uh, the kicks and the leg drops that uh, Havoc tries to use. Uh, could she lock in um, certain moves? Was she going to be able to do enough damage to make Havoc tap? 
Um, obviously, she wasn't going to be able to uh, do her little uh, the um, the Queen's Gambit, uh, I guess, power slam like neutralizer type move uh, that she does. Um, that uh, that was definitely out of the question here. So, would she be able to make Havoc tap, or would she roll her up, or was Havoc going to get her uh, second? I believe it would be her second uh, knockouts title run. Um, this was fun. Uh, I thought Kimber got involved very early in this match, um, which I thought they'd throw them out, and or you'd have somebody try, like Rosemary come to the rescue for Havoc. That didn't happen. Kimber and Susan kind of, after getting yelled at by Havoc multiple times, they just didn't do anything for the rest of the match. Um, and that was perfectly fine. Um, Havoc went for her... Or when Deanna got knocked down, Havoc tried to end the match very quickly with stomps to her head, which Deanna rolled away from. Uh, she tried to hit the leg drop on Deanna when Deanna was down. Deanna rolled away. Um, and this was really just Deanna in control for most of this match. Um, and when she wasn't in control, when she was on the ground and Havoc was, uh, trying to be in charge, uh, Deanna would get away from the danger every time, uh, and ends up ending with Deanna grabbing the arm of Havoc, uh, going up for, uh, the divorce court, um, and ending the match with a Fujiwara arm bar. Couldn't get in both the Costa Notra, or, or no, I'm sorry, the Venus de Milo, uh, couldn't get that locked in, uh, but they were, didn't matter, she just needed the one arm, uh, Fujiwara arm bar for the win, um, I still think that the ultimate goal is Taylor Wilde most likely to take the title off of Diana, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon, yes, uh, this was a good match. Good to see Havoc getting uh, some shine here. Uh, but I don't know where you go from here with her. Hope Maybe tag, put her with Rosemary and make them a tag team to go after uh, Fire and Flavor. Um, after this, we got the match that everybody uh, tuned in to watch, according to Matt Stryker. Uh, Eddie Edwards and Finn Juice versus... The Elite, Kenny Omega, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson with Don Callis at ringside. Um, interesting entrance here for the Elite as uh, as Kenny is making his entrance uh, and they are walking down the aisle or the the ramp. Don is running down the different people that are uh, that pale in comparison to uh, Kenny by God Omega. Um, which is different than what he's normally done, which is just before he comes out, he lists the people. Um, but instead, listing them as his theme is going, uh, perfectly fine. Uh, it was just at different parts of the song, when it gets a little louder, it's hard to hear Don do it. But other than that, no complaints about that. This was a fun match. Thankfully... Um, the outcome that I predicted would happen happened. 
the elite do not pick up this win. And the reason I say thankfully is because, as I pointed out, as me and Angelo talked about this on Thursday, I said that if the elite won, it most likely meant that the elite or the Good Brothers versus Finju's storyline was not over, and they'd continue to feud for the titles, and that whoever won the tag titles most likely would lose immediately, and the Good Brothers would go back into it, or the Good Brothers would just interrupt the match and be like, "Hey, we have a we have a win over you guys now. We should be the real number one contenders." That didn't happen. Eddie Edwards picks up the win for his team uh, with the Boston Knee Party on, I believe it was Carl Anderson. And, yeah, Finjuice is involved in the pin. Um, Omega obviously wasn't involved in the pin. Omega is visibly distraught with Carl and Gallows at this point, yelling at them as they leave. Are we seeing the implosion of the Elite? Probably not. Are we seeing Eddie maybe get into a title feud with um, with the uh, with Kenny? Possibly, although I don't want it to happen. I think it would be a, a fine like solo like Impact Plus show thing. But if this ends up being the guy that they want to take the title off of Kenny, I think that's bad booking because it doesn't make a new cha- a new top guy uh, or somebody to be taken seriously that wasn't. It's just the guy that it would be like if the person to take the title off Roman Reigns in WWE ends up being John Cena returning. Nobody wants that because it would be stupid. Um, it'd be Mr. WWE taking the title off of the guy that's beaten everybody else. Um, if Kenny holds this title and ends up losing at Slammiversary to Eddie Edwards, uh, I just think it, things fall flat. Finally, we have our main event, which is a six-way match to determine the number one contender for Kenny's Impact World title is Chris Bay versus Matt Cardona versus Sammy Callahan versus Chris Sabin versus Trey Miguel versus Moose, and this delivered. Um, I think there are two people who probably, I would say, didn't deliver in this match. They were Matt Cardona, who felt like an afterthought in this match at multiple points. Like, he was active early on and then just disappeared. Um, and... Chris Bay, honestly, uh, he had he started the match off really hot, um, then disappeared for a while. Then he came back for a very brief, like minute or so, and then was basically out of out of contention. Um, we had put up who we thought could win this, and like basically all of us assumed that there were two people that couldn't weren't going to win this, and they'd be Matt Cardona. And Moose. The reason we kept on saying Moose was because we keep on saying Moose is the guy to take the belt off Kenny. And then as Moose is making his entrance, Matt Stryker points out that Moose has publicly stated that his goal 
is to win the world title before his contract ends this summer and he might go elsewhere. And immediately I was like, well, he's a heel, but he's not a likable heel. So it's not like Punk, where he's like, oh, I'm going to win the title, I'm going to walk out and go elsewhere, and it's going to be in my hometown, and everybody's going to love this. It's Moose. He's a very divisive person, a very divisive wrestler. Um, He's very good, but he... I don't know if he's going to stay in Impact. (laughs) I don't know if somebody's going to offer him a contract elsewhere. Um, But once they said that, I was like, okay, well, Moose is now back in the title. Back in this, he could win this match now. Um, The interesting thing coming out of here, other than the winner of this match, which we'll get to, is near the end of this match, Sammy Callahan looks like he's going to win it. Out come the good brothers who take him out. And commentary points out that this clearly shows that Sammy is a threat to Kenny and a threat to Don and a threat to the good brothers and that they are worried about him. And I've said it before that I could see Sammy being a long-term feud for Kenny. Um, because you could have Sammy, uh, he, like, he, he currently is, like, no, not currently, but the current feud in AEW is the super elite Gallows, Anderson, the Young Bucks, and Omega versus Mox and Kingston. Sammy has history with Moxley as a tag team. You could realistically have Sammy show up. Uh, to aid these guys in the future if they're going to continue this feud and that would make that would be like a drawing force into okay well maybe we can get more eyes from AEW onto Impact if we're going to have these storylines blend on both shows Um, at least in some way with the person who's feuding with Kenny being on AEW uh, and on Impact Um, but um, maybe they don't do that. I don't know. But, uh, at the end of this match, they just panic Sammy, who has finally gotten back up and is just screaming, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Um, and you can clearly see who he wants next. Um, we do get a bit of our Chris Sabin versus Moose uh, storyline that we've talked about we talked about on Thursday where uh, Saban called out Moose uh, and kind of directed like a very solo promo about how he's just going to focus on Moose uh, for injuring James Storm and taking him out of action um, and we talked about how in the main event on Impact we really didn't see that happening but we both said maybe that's what happens after this week or after Under Siege or during Under Siege, and we definitely got that. We got some good interactions between the two throughout the night uh, in the match, uh, and it ends up being down to these two. Uh, Sabin really brings the heat on Moose, but Moose uses that power to go and just do uh, some uh, chop blocks to each of the knees of Sabin, 
which commentary made sure to remind everybody has been surgically repaired numerous times. Uh, and then hits a really good lights-out spear. Again, I will continue to say it, Moose has the best spear in the business right now. And Moose is your new number one contender for Kenny Omega's title at Against All Odds. Um, there's zero ways that Moose is winning this title at Against All Odds. They are not going to take the title off of Kenny Omega at an Impact Plus show. It's either going to be at Bound for Glory or Slam Adversary. It's going to be an actual pay-per-view that Kenny Omega loses his title. Uh, so very interesting to see what happens with Moose here. Um, if this is truly them acknowledging Moose is leave, going to leave at the end of the, his contract, let him go out on a high note with a really good match against Kenny. Uh, if he decides to resign, you can have him lose through sh- shady shenanigans and kind of disappear for a bit and then come back later uh, to take the title off of Omega in some way. Um, but yeah, uh, very interesting stuff going on. Um, overall, I would give this a thumbs up. I think Pat and Joey both enjoyed the show as a whole. Um, it, it This was nowhere as hard to sit through as Hardcore Justice was for most of us. Um, this was an enjoyable show. It was a really good card. There weren't too many shenanigans. There weren't matches that didn't make sense on this card. It felt like an actual pay-per-view card. Uh, it was a really good show. I'm very interested to see what happens next week uh, as we make our ways to start uh, the road to uh, Against All Odds in June, uh, and of course, basically heading heading straight forward towards Slammiversary in July. Uh, so let us know what you thought uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube comments, whatever. Um, let us know your takes, uh, and we will see you next time, or talk to you next time, uh, on the Impact Power Hour on Thursday. Pat and Joey have their Dynamic Dynamite reviews on Wednesday after AEW Dynamite. And then whatever days Dynamite ends up moving to because of the NBA playoffs, uh, we'll get to that as well. And we'll also have uh, a review for Double or Nothing at the end of the month when that happens. Uh, So thank you guys. Enjoy your weekends. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time. Later.